So I'm going to uh, give you something that uh, the Lord's laid on my heart uh, through NTC. Uh, tried to stay in the Word as much as possible. I got to uh, actually I'm start, starting to go through the, uh, the sermons of Christ. I uh, started off with the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just kind of going through and doing a little analysis of it, but that's something else. But uh, something else that the Lord laid in my heart to uh, talk about was uh, this idea of uh, sin without consequences. And uh, I'll start off with say, uh, for years, uh, since the beginning, people have, in general, have pondered about the idea of, well, if I have this sin, will I get away with it? Uh, even as early as, as Cain, uh, people have tried you know, to get away with, with certain things that they do in their life. But how do you commit sin without God finding out? Is it possible to, for you to keep your sin from God? The answer is no. You cannot keep sin, you cannot, you cannot commit sin without suffering consequences. You can't keep anything from God either. I'm sorry. Uh, so then the question is, why do we keep trying? Why, why do we keep trying to, to commit sin and then try to hide it? And so we're going we're gonna to uh, look at some examples of that right quick. Uh, Genesis uh, chapter 4, as I did mention Cain, uh, you may know that uh, 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 Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 12, I'm not going to read, I'm just going to just kind of do an over-synopsis of it. And uh, so, you know, Cain and, and Abel brought their sacrifices to God and... and, and uh, uh, Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God, and, and, and Cain's was not. And Cain was upset. And uh, uh, the Lord said to Cain, he goes, said, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, uh, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou not doest well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And so... Cain and his brother, Abel, were out in the field, and, and Cain slaughtered his brother. And, uh, and then uh, verse 9 goes, uh, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto thee from the ground. And now art thou cursed from, from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Uh, another example, David uh, committed adultery and murder. Uh, we turn to Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 11. Uh, verses uh, 2 through 17, uh, another synopsis. Uh, we know that, that David uh, saw Bathsheba, and uh, he lusted after her, committed adultery with her. Uh, she conceived, a, she conceived uh, uh, a child at that time, and at the time David had tried to send Uriah to his house to be with Bathsheba, and he refused. He, he, he didn't go because he said his men in the ark were intense, and he, he didn't feel right about, about going home and, and being with his wife when all his others were, were intense and stuff. So uh, 
David sent uh, a note uh, by the hand of Uriah uh, to Joab to place Uriah into the hottest battle uh, so that he would die. And uh, so Joab sent him out to this one place, and, and Uriah died in battle. And so Nathan came up uh, to David and gave him, gave him a parable. And, uh, and David's, David was, uh, was angry after he had uh, heard the parable and said, uh, let's see if I can find it right quick, in chapter 12 of the same book. Uh, verse 5, it says, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he said, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Uh, and so in the, con the consequences of that sin were uh, later on through... Uh, 7 through 18, where it talks that uh, the Lord was going to uh, make his child sick by Bathsheba, and uh, he was going to die. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, we'll go back to Exodus chapter 32, uh, the third and, and final point, or actually example, I'm going to sh show you right now, uh, is with Aaron. Uh, up when uh, when Moses was in the mount receiving uh, the Ten Commandments and all, uh, the people pleaded with Aaron to uh, uh, make him make him gods so that they could worship. And Aaron gathered all the gold from from the people and and graved a, a molten calf and uh, they all uh, danced around it and and had a feast and worship unto this molten image. And uh, God told Moses to go down from the mountain because the people had uh, corrupted themselves. And when Moses had saw uh, what the people had done, he was very angry. And he, uh, he said, who is on the Lord's side? And he gathered all the, pe all the children of, of Levi together, and they slew uh, 3,000 men that day. And... Uh, Moses went back up into the mount to try to uh, make an atonement for, for the people. And uh, God said, go ahead, lead the people into the place where I told thee, and uh, I will plague the children of Israel. And that's, and that's what happened. Uh, but under there, we, where Moses was angry, he went up to, Moses, to Aaron, his brother, and said, what happened? And Aaron said, well, the, the people had... had uh, told me to, to make him a god, and I took all the gold and put it in, and it came out molten calf, which was a bold-faced lie. So all three of these, three, all three of these examples, uh, God knew of the, of the sin that was committed. Uh, I'm going to turn to uh, Proverbs 15.3. says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A couple more examples, some, some of the current examples from, from real life. Uh, divorce. As I've said that before, uh, that word has plagued my family. Uh, my parents got divorced. 
my stepfather's brother and his wife got divorced. My stepfather's sister and his and her husband got divorced. Uh, my grandparents on my mother's side got divorced. That's that's just the beginning. But uh, I went I went up to uh, home or back to my uh, place of origin, uh, St. Charles, and uh, found out that my uh, my godparents had also gotten a divorce. Uh, after they were married for 23 or 24 years, but they had gotten a divorce. And they have two children, uh, but they surprisingly enough they they've remained friends, and that's that's even surprising. Uh, but uh, we see in uh, Luke 16 where it talks about divorce. And I went up there. Uh, not not this last time I was up there, but the time before that, I found out about my uncle and my aunt getting divorced, and uh, I told my mom. I said, I, you know, you know, I don't agree with that, right? And she goes, Well, what do you think about it? I was like, I think it's wrong. It's it's sin. And she goes, Well, how can you say that? I'm like, Because the Bible says it's sin. And she goes, Well, what if what if the wife was getting beaten by her husband. I mean, should she stick with him? I said, yes. And she goes, well, how can you say that? I'm like, well, there's people out there in that profession that can help out with that. But the Bible says that once uh, they're married, they should, they should stay married. I mean, they become one flesh. I don't know too many people that, that you know, they, they, they claw at their arm to take their flesh off their, off their bone. I, you, you just don't see it. Uh, but Luke 16:18 uh, says, "Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband uh, committeth adultery." And so, what is, you know, what's the what's the consequences of adultery? Well, if you have children, you know, your children aren't aren't going to like it too much because they'll end up somewhere down in Texas and having to go back home for, for the holidays and having to split up Christmas with, with two sides of the family, it doesn't work because it causes strife amongst the two parties. And uh, it doesn't do well for the children because they're put in the middle of it. But uh, Leviticus uh, 20, verse 10 says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Now, I had a guy I worked with uh, back in my unit. He's out of the Army now. But uh, he came up to me one day. We had a discussion about the death penalty. And he goes, I don't agree with the death penalty. I said, well, why not? And he goes, well, how can you say that you can agree with the death penalty? I said, it's because it's in the Bible. And he goes, well, can you show me that? I'm like, yeah, give me a couple days. I'll, I'll find a few verses and, and, and show you. He goes, okay. So I, I'm looking through my Bible, and I come across a few verses. I showed him like five or six different ones, including this one, because I knew that, that he was committing adultery with someone else's wife at the time. And so I said, here, I got one. Especially I want to show you. <laughs> and so I read him this verse, and he's like, he goes, that's harsh. 
I'm like, I know. It's cool, isn't it? But he, I mean, he and, he and I, you know, he understood where I was coming from. And, you know, I tried to explain to him as much as possible, tried to witness to him and everything. And, uh, but he, he's so, he's so wrapped up in his sin, you know, he can't, he can't find his way out. Uh, another example I want to show is, uh, for abortion. Uh, don't really agree with that either. Uh, Exodus 20:13 says, thou shalt not kill, uh, when, when you're doing the abortion thing, you're, you're actually killing your child. So not, not even getting, giving them a chance to live, you know, not even giving God a, ch a chance to, to work in his life. I mean, you never know. That could be, that could be a preacher, an evangelist, or you know, if it's a girl, it could be a preacher's wife or, or, or somewhere along that line, you know. But what is what's what's the penalty of abortion? Well, really, it's uh, it, really you're murdering somebody. So we'll we'll go with what's what's the penalty for for murder? Genesis nine six says, "Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man." Uh, Exodus twenty one verse twelve. says, he that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. Plain and simple. You kill someone, you're going to die. That, that, that's the penalty. Uh, but, okay, so now, we, now that we've seen examples, now we have to understand, well, then why, why do, if, if God can see our sin, why do we try to hide it from him? How do we hide why do, how, why do we even try to hide something from an all-knowing God? Uh, it's actually the, the devil working through us. Uh, as uh, Nathan has said, we're, we're in a spiritual battle. We're, we're in, in the battle between God and Satan. And uh, one of the tools that, that the devil uses, uh, one of the strategies, one of the greatest strategies of a war, you know, Greatest war tactic of all: divide and conquer. If you can divide, if you can divide a group, it won't stand. And so it's important that we that we know our enemy. First uh, Peter 5:8 says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeing, seeking whom he may devour." My enemy is not Nathan. My enemy is not. The Millers. My enemy is not Pastor Hammonds or anyone else here. My enemy, as well as yours, is the devil. And like Steve said, when we when we murmur and and backbite and just badmouth each other, that's not that's not showing others who our true enemy is, because that's just the devil working through us. Now that is that is the, the best way to set people at each other too is is for murmuring. It is. I, I can't believe how much power there is in murmuring. But there's a lot more power with God. 
And when we see what we see what, what God wants us to do, there's a lot more power with that than there could ever be what the devil has. But the devil also used confusion. Uh, most vivid example would be the different versions of the Bible. You know, we we have the authorized King James Bible. But there are other churches out there using the New American Standard or the New International Version or some other version that was written by man and will preach off of that. And some of the doctrines in, in, in those versions are completely way off base. Uh, another confusion would be tongues. I like out in NTC, the the group that we were out there was very charismatic. The preaching was excellent. I mean, don't get me wrong, the preaching was excellent, but the prayer and songs that they would sing made, made me want to throw up. We stand there, no kidding. I stand there one day. We we were in the middle of prayer. It was like I was like the third, second or third day we were out there. We were in the middle of praying, and all of a sudden. I hear somebody rambling, completely just gibberish, and they called it speaking in tongues. I had all I could do to stop myself from laughing, and I got back to one to the tent that I was sharing with with a guy, and and he he believes he believes in speaking in tongues. And so me and him had this little debate on it. And I'm like, okay, if let's say, for instance, that there was speaking in tongues, that it is possible, okay, then why during this during the service that was out there, why are these guys saying the exact same thing every single time, like 50 times straight, and they'll say the exact same thing? Doesn't the Bible say anything about speaking in vain repetition? I mean, you mean check your Bible. And he's sat there dumbfounded. How do I argue that? But uh, James three five and eight. I'm getting getting off my. I have a tendency to ramble. To watch me. But uh, James chapter three verses five through eight said, Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And so when we, you know, we, a lot of us, we need to, me included, need to learn how to control our tongue. I had, before I got saved, I had the worst temper in the entire world. Uh, my, mother, my mother would tell you to this day, she would literally go and say, you know what, you keep being that way, you're going to end up just like your father. Ooh, that used to set me off. But uh, 
we shouldn't we shouldn't back top back top one another. We I mean growing up we always heard, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. But uh that that is a serious lesson we need to learn. Um when I think of uh Jason's message about unity. Uh very important that that we understand that the devil's trying to you know, split in there and divide us. Uh, could refer to a game of chess. I know I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on this tangent. If you're playing a game of chess, what's what's your overall strategy? You ain't going to try to, you know, break through somewhere where it's heavily fortified. You're going to find somewhere that's weak. You're going to go and find the weakest spot of your opponent's defense, and you're just going to throw everything you can at it. And that's really the only that's really the only way you can get through a defense is by finding the weak point, or as some people call it, the pressure point. But um, Matthew five nine. Says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Uh, that was actually part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount that I had already gone through. Uh, very interesting, you know, this, about the, ser- the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of, lot of information in there. If, if you really, really dig down deep into it, there's a lot of information in there. Uh, but we, like I said before, we may be used. Uh, by the devil to deceive others. Second uh, Peter, uh, chapter two, verses one through three says, "But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately uh, shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, or that bought them." Sorry and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness uh, shall they be feigned words, make merchandise of you, uh, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. First John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 7. Says, Beloved, be believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth this, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist, whereof ye have heard it, or ye have heard that it shall, should come. And even now, already, it is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God uh, heareth not us. Hereby we know, or know we that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error Beloved, let us love one another, 
For love is of God, and everyone that, that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And so that last verse talks about loving one another, and that does not include backbiting or, or bad-mouthing. Matthew 12:36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. And I say that not only will we be giving an account for every idle word that we say, but also for every action that we commit, uh, for the sins that we have in our life, uh, for the way that we treat others, the, the words that we speak, the just the actions that we do, the way that we live our lives. We're going to give an account for every single thing. There, like I said, there's absolutely no way uh, to commit sin without suffering consequences. You may get away. Uh, you may be able to deceive people here on earth and be able to hide sin from people here on earth. But when you stand before Christ in the judgment, all that stuff's going to be brought back up to you and you're going to say... I did it. You know, I can't. I can't hide it, because he's gonna know. We can pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the for the many messages you've you've given to us today, Lord. We pray that you'd help us to take the messages today, Lord, and just apply them to our own lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you for for the many men who are uh, willing to get up and speak today, Lord. Lord, we pray that you be with every one of us, Lord, and, and guide us as we as we travel home tonight, Lord, in the new year. Lord, I pray that you just help us to be the Christians that we ought to be, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.